0: all right and i think we're all good to go how are you marat
1: oh doing just quite all right thanks for having me Liz. thank you very much
0: wonderful thanks for jumping on so for those of you who are new here and those of you who do know me my name is Liz. this is game over winnipeg and i'm joined by marat attached from the athletic today Almost called you Marat Athletic from the Atesh. I don't know what that would be like, but uh, um, Marat is, um, you know, a longtime Twitter pal of mine. And uh, it's always a privilege to be able to chat with him after a Jets game, jump on a podcast, talk with him, whatnot. We have something, you know, good to talk about today, which is very exciting. So very honored to have him joining me today. Really excited to talk some hockey with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on and and let me, you know, second it probably since your jet centric days, um, you know, we've had a chance to talk a couple of times, always a great chat, always interested in your insights too. And um, yeah, always good to have something good to talk about because when we used to have those conversations, it was during a couple of dark years for, for Winnipeg and now they're sitting, you know, tied with Seattle for the second best points percentage in the West, fourth best points percentage in the NHL. Heading, you know, out of that twenty-game milestone with a playoff spot and within spitting distance of Dallas. I mean, these are better times than when we used to when we used to talk Jets.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. I I would say a couple of months ago, I was still not feeling hundred percent. You know, ready about this team, and I'm still I'm still wondering if there, there's something a little bit fraudulent about some of their record. But you know what? there's so much good going on. I'm getting so nitpicky with the things that I'm disliking that I'm, you know what, I will take that over being like everything is garbage, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you want to go to the things that, you know, sort of make some teams records more of a paper tiger, more of a, Hey, could this deflate at some point? Winnipeg has a few of those. I mean, Connor Hellebuck is not the only story this year, but he's stolen games. And if he returns to, you know, very good instead of amazing. That, that I mean, we've talked about that in Winnipeg forever, and I think he really is truly having a strong season. They're also a little bit inflated with the overtime points. Um, that's, you know, one of the analytic things that you look at it, if teams are overperforming or underperforming their records, if teams are collecting a whole bunch of three-on-three points, which Winnipeg is, um, that's sometimes a sign that the record's inflated. But the Jets, generally, goal differential has been good. And, and for me, it's a case where, you know, an average or slightly above average team is doing everything that it needs to do on any given night where they're beating the Chicagos, where they're not having collapses against these horrible teams. And, you know, maybe they play against Carolina and that was a a terrifying ending to a hockey game. They have to go in overtime because they give up three with Carolina's net empty. There are good teams who can do damage to the Winnipeg Jets. They're not one of the top five in the league, but they're good. I think they're pretty good, and I think that that's real.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely agree with that. And it's it's encouraging. It's exciting. And it makes you excited to talk about them kind of in the big picture of things. But then there are also more of these fun, small picture, isolated games that are fun to talk about. So what did you what did you think of tonight's tonight's event?
1: I mean, uh, fun to see the, you know, the team that everyone who reads me for uh, get a touchdown, you know, people are going to be happy for sure. Um, I think that the big story heading in was the rearranged lines with all of a sudden Axel going and Fialbi playing on essentially the top line with, with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, I had slightly been advocating for the Connor and Dubois reunion for a little while as well. Um, and that's gone. Well, I think that combination of Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, and Cole Perfetti, that's probably where I would, as much as it's cool that the, that the bottom six generated offense Saku Lane with two goals, Jansen Harkins with a goal, I think one of the biggest stories is that a line with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley paired on it dominated flow of play and controlled possession. And you know that hasn't always been the case in recent seasons. And I think they were full value for it. I thought Blake Wheeler was great on the forecheck. I thought his pass to Mark Shifley for the goal was just perfect through skates, and it was great vision. And then Cole Perfetti's involved there too, because he needed a bounce back in my way of thinking. He w- he was benched against Dallas. He played, you know, he didn't get a single second of ice time. In the third period, when Winnipeg uh, played against Minnesota, not Dallas, pardon me, against Minnesota two games ago, then against Dallas, he got to play with Shifley and, and Wheeler and was a scoring chance machine. And if those guys can take these two games and make them a big sample, I mean, that's something that is going to help the Jets get through their injury problems.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did, uh, did you think that, were you surprised? I guess to see Janssen Fialbi being the guy kind of brought up in that situation, you know, given the injuries, obviously there's some movement going on in that top six. Um, what did you think of that tonight?
1: I mean, I, I have to be honest. I was surprised completely. completely I was um, I was on the Illegal curve show on Saturday morning. We were talking about, you know, who comes in, who goes up, all those different sorts of things. And, uh, you know, I, one of the combinations I didn't imagine was Sam Gagne not playing. I, I don't know. Um, what all went into that particular decision? It looked pretty good, though, and we've seen with we've seen with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois that the two of them can do the lion's share of work. We've seen them succeed with Evgeny Svechnikov on their wing. Svechnikov goes to the uh, fourth line last year at times and disappears. I mean, he was terrific with that group but there were two guys that were driving that bus in my way of thinking jansen harkins even gets a couple of games with that group last year scores immediately things go well um so those two guys have something and for me as much as the theory early was dubois and wheeler would open up space for for cole perfetti that wasn't really the thing i think dubois opens up space for kyle connor and kyle connor's speed opens up space for pierre Luc dubois um and actually ons and i mean he gets to be the least impactful player on that line, and that's fine. But also, you saw him turn pucks over, which is what he does. And um, that line didn't dominate, to my way of thinking, but they were very good. And you can watch Fjall, Jonsson Fjall be all over the ice, You know, making Jack Johnson puck-carrying look a little bit too casual. Um, just winning battles and turning pucks over is what he does, and, and that helps when you're playing with two-star level players like he is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of my take on that, too, is, you know, a lot of, you know, like you were saying, the bottom six having those goals and whatnot, um, you know, all those chances, they come from being able to create that possession for yourself. And, you know, if he's able to be that, you know, strong four checker, you know, hard on those pucks and able to create some of those turnovers, you know, you have those guys on that line that are able to really capitalize on those chances. And, you know, like Nick said in the chat, really create offensively, which is, which is great. So, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting in the Sam Gagne scratch. I agree. I, that wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been my choice either. And I also, it wouldn't have been what I expected either. Cause you know, sometimes what we think is going to happen versus what we would like to happen is different in neither case did I think that that was going to be the play they were going to make. Um, but yeah, do you think he comes back in next game or what What do you think about that?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I guess, you know, Here's the honest thing, Liz, is that when I was asked what should happen, I thought Saku Menolaino was the guy that, that should come out. I, I like Jonsun Fialbi as a four-checker winning battles for other pe- people and just putting the puck into hands of more dangerous players. I thought Sam Gagne had acquitted himself well playing with the skill in that in that top group. You know, Harkins and Asmont have developed something with Adam Lowry there, and I was just kind of liking it. So I thought to myself, well, Manolain is the guy that's going to sit. And lo and behold, he goes out, he scores two goals, One of them is a rocket, you know, uh, just a a wrist shot beauty. The other one comes off of a situation where it's tremendous forechecking from Winnipeg's fourth line. But for me also in that moment, you have another case of Jack Johnson, the analytics non-darling. He just dusted off a puck. He went back on the puck retrieval. He had possession. He had time. He had space. And he, he made like three touches tentative. Maybe he was trying to get it to lay flat. I'm not sure but it was slow and Winnipeg's four checkers were fast and then boom, it's in the back of the net. And I don't know that any one of these guys is going to be a world beater for the Winnipeg Jets, but that they have at least enough players uh, to to have that sort of impact is a good sign. And maybe now it's Dominic Toninato that comes out of the lineup, you know, that because um, he's not the one who scored two goals, even though he might have a piece of it.
0: Yeah, totally. No, for sure. It's and it's definitely hard to scratch someone after after they score too. And I think, yeah, like you're right, it probably would have been a lot of people's guide just based on, you know, not that he's doing anything inherently wrong, um, but that sometimes, you know, if you're not doing enough, quote unquote, right, or if you're not doing anything to make yourself stand out, that, you know, it's just not quite enough to keep you in the lineup. There are other, other guys coming back from injury and whatnot. And speaking of, um, were you expected to see Morgan Barron in tonight? Or what were your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I think he said to the reporters in Chicago that, yes, his timeline was officially between four and five weeks. He was a little optimistic and he knows everybody's always optimistic that he could beat it. And I think that from his surgery to now, it's three weeks and two days, if I caught what he said exactly.
0: November 4th, I think he said. So, yeah,
1: about tracks. Yeah, about tracks. Sharp mind, sharp memory. There you Um, go. (laughs) Um so I I remember Rick Bonus saying that maybe Tuesday would be an option. And that was kind of what I'd earmarked in my mind. So for Baron to come back now, uh, yeah, a little bit surprised. It does feel early. And you know, not only is it a good sign in sort of the short macro micro sense, I guess, talking to an economics student, I gotta get my micros and macros to straight. Um I think that a general return to health and knowing that these guys were just a little bit away, eventually they'll get Appleton back and Winnipeg's winning at, at this time as a general rule. I think that one of the stories is, does Kevin Dayoff feel pressure to add a forward right now? And I know because one of the corollaries to today's story of Barron's return to health is vili Haenel returning to the AHL. And I know you will have listeners and you will have viewers who are, you know, who are ready for a veteran to move out, for Hain to step in, um, all of those sorts of things. And maybe that's the way that a forward gets added to this group. But if you're Kevin Shovel Day off right now you're watching the wins come in, you like the offense you just got from your bottom six, there's a bit of a plug-and-play, mix-and-match vibe going on, and you still have Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley scoring. I mean, sure, it's Chicago, but you've beaten other better teams lately as well. And I think that buys the Jets' time. You know, I, I don't think there's a panic move or a roster tweak or a uh, or even just that proactive use of cap space. You know what I mean? I don't know that there's pressure to do that right now. So you asked me if I was surprised about Morgan Barron's return. The answer is yes. And I guess I, I'm just I'm thinking about it as a symbol of everything else that's going on uh, around Winnipeg's schedule right now.
0: Totally, yeah. I, uh, I kind of want to challenge you a little bit on that, the the pressure of bringing in a top six forward, right? Because I think that is a, a continuous thing that we see in a lot of people, you know, whether it be through Twitter or just kind of the general gaps when you look at a lineup, right? Because you're talking about, you know, how the Jets are faring with points percentage and all these kinds of things. Like they are doing well. So it's always the question of this early in the season, what can we do to be better? And I think that's what a lot of people you know, obviously goaltending is not an issue. Um the defense seemed to be um, you know, that that doesn't seem to be the biggest issue either. Like it looks like maybe just a little bit more generation from those top two lines. Obviously Cal Connor not scoring at a pace that people were expecting and obviously goals and points aren't everything. But you know, at the end of the day, the more pucks you put in the net, the higher chances are of winning the game. So do you think there should be some pressure on Kevin off to bring people in right now? Or do you um, you know, anticipate there being enough internal fixes? Or do you think it's more of a trade deadline move type of thing? Or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, it depends on what you're optimizing for, in my way of thinking. And I, I have to think that Winnipeg's overall goal is what its fans' goal is right now, which is make it to the playoffs, compete for a Stanley Cup. And... I don't think that you hire a veteran coach unless you're trying to win. I don't think you keep all of Shifley, Wheeler, Dubois, and all of that. You know, after the summer, Winnipeg just had. Uh, if you're not trying to win relatively immediately, I've wondered to myself sometimes, and you know, nobody in the organization has told me this, nor would they ever, that economics are a driver this season as well. That make it to the postseason. Now you're one of sixteen. Anything can happen, and probably they genuinely believe in the quality of their team. Like, this may be Winnipeg just thinking, hey, we're a pretty good team, we're more or less winning, um, let's go. And I guess why I'm saying that is, you know, I think that the fans at the end of the day are are going to say, well, why not try to be even better? Like, what would possibly stop you from that if you if you had the option? And so the pressure on that comes in my mind to what kinds of deals Chevy would have on the table. And I think there's tremendous pressure in my mind to be working those phones and to have a sense of what's available, there are a lot of teams that need defensemen. He's rich in defensemen, or at least it feels like he is. Um, and Winnipeg, even before folks got hurt, if you were looking to upgrade, you'd probably look for another impact forward in that top nine. So, it fits. If you're looking, you know, if you're looking at ways to tweak the lineup, it absolutely fits. I just don't see Winnipeg making that that move um, at this stage of the season while they're winning even at the trade deadline i think we'd have to see winnipeg's rec. like right now what i think is that winnipeg has a very good record and is is a reasonably good team if they maintain their very good record all the way through the trade deadline then maybe that pressure to buy comes again because winnipeg really only has this year, maybe two more, or maybe maybe two years. Part of me with the Hellebuck, Shifley, everything together sort of window, and that's what will ratchet the pressure. Is probably success will increase the pressure a little bit more than than the injuries right now.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense too. And I also think that the whole concept of yeah, like you said about you know be one of sixteen and then anything can happen is so real when you have a goalie of the caliber of Connor Hellebuck, right? Because I think, you know, if you look at the past X number of Stanley Cup champions and you look, I I would venture to say that Darcy Kemper is the worst goalie to win the Stanley Cup in the last 10 years, right? Like every single team's got, you know, the hot Jordan Binnington, the hot Corey Crawford at the time, the hot Matt Murray. Like they all have those guys who come alive at the right times. And if the Jets are able to, you know, sustain a performance of this type of caliber up until then, who knows where he can bring them, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like I I get that you'd want to increase their odds of being good, right? Like with goaltending being such a variable thing, I know that goalies have tremendous seasons and some of them are more likely to have good seasons than others. See Connor Hellebuck, see um Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, even though he started kind of middling so far. There are a few of them that you can bet on to have better seasons than others. If you just roll your roll the dice on any two week period, there are plenty of times when below average goalies are hotter than, than the best ones in the entire NHL for these like small sample size moments. So by having Hellebuck, all you're doing is you're nudging the odds that your guy's great at the right time, because he's ever so slightly more likely to be great um, than, than anyone else is, which is just a roundabout way of saying, yeah, if anybody can get hot, Hellebuck is one of those guys. Um, And then you, you, you do want to shore things up and, I think it would be an absolutely horrendous mistake if Dayoff isn't on the phones. Um, I think that you have to look at that sort of stuff. I'm wondering if maybe one thing that's happening is as desperate as teams are for defensemen, um, they may see Winnipeg's issues with the Nikolai Ehlers injury and, and perceive Winnipeg as just as desperate up front. So how good are those prices now several months in advance of the trade deadline and then probably in the back of an old-school guy, my guy's mind like Shevel Dayoff is the old adage, you can never have enough defensemen. And I go back to uh, 2006, I guess. Another one of those goalies get hot at the right times with Cam Ward winning the Stanley Cup. The, on- the only reason to my mind that Carolina made the Stanley Cup finals is because the Buffalo Sabres went from having seven very good defensemen to something like two. Over the course of the Eastern Conference Final, and I think that that's a, an adage that is really stuck in a lot of veteran NHL people's minds: is that don't be the, those guys.
0: Yeah, no, and I think that that does make a lot of sense too. And I, if you think about it, like logistically, from pretty much any context, whether it's you know hockey, other sports, or just in general, looking at the concept of why would I want less assets of value, right, kind of thing. So I, I get that in that perspective, but it's looking at, you know, kind of maximizing what they mean to you at, at that given time. Um, looking more, if we're going with our economics terms, more, more micro back at this game, do you think that, um, you know, if you're looking at some of the particular numbers, obviously advanced stats have a lot of, um, you know, things that play into them. And sometimes with individual game stats, they can be a little bit more skewed just to the nature of the small sample and stuff like that. But generally speaking, tonight's, micro stats didn't look as dominant as the 7-2 box score um wh- do you have any kind of insight on that do you kind of know what do you think sort of went wrong per se I don't think that that's the right word to use when you win 7-2 against a division rival but that being said you know there's always room for improvement like we were kind of saying before so what what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah I thought especially in the first half of the game some of Winnipeg's you know, old problems with managing the puck over its own blue line were an issue. I think that you saw times where, like, Winnipeg against Chicago, you know, the Jets, to get into trouble, have to beat themselves a little bit. And I feel like I'm being a little bit rude to the quality of the Chicago Blackhawks as a hockey team. And, you know, within the NHL, things are reasonably close, no matter where you are in the standings, Uh, parody and all of that. At the same time, I really feel about the Winnipeg Jets in a game like this Things are going to go well if they do things right. And um, you even saw it maybe towards the end of the game, too. After Pierre-Luc Dubois' goal, you know, one of the next plays uh, in his own end was an extremely casual play with the puck that leads to Conor, one of Connor Halbuck's biggest saves of the night. And I think that there are moments in a hockey game when the Winnipeg Jets, fewer moments this year than in any of years past, but where they kind of get caught up in their hype and in their, like, run-up-field, run-up-the-ice sort of mentality, And they turn pucks over at their own blue line. And, um, you know, their exit passes get weak and they sort of create some of their own mistakes. So I think that's the sort of thing that leads to some of the, you know, the the shots kind of coming their own way as well. Even if once they got out of their own way, you know, they're rushing back up ice and they're doing good things with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think and if I think about I want to say. Two games ago, there was one particular um, penalty kill that the Jets were on, and they, you know, gave up a power play goal, one of their first in a while, because our penalty kills been not so bad. Um, but, you know, Mark Scheifele was killing the penalty, and it was that quick step into the offense, you know, and then, you know, it, it gave more room for the opposing team to come in and, and score that goal. And sometimes I feel like that, yeah, that offensive mindset sometimes acts to your own detriment, even though obviously when you have these really strong offensive players, you want them to be able to do what they're good at. But I, I think there's almost, I don't know, would you say it's, worse or better to look at a game and be like a lot of the issues and plagues came from their own doing it wasn't like is it good that you know it's not other teams that are out doing this out doing that for them or is it bad because it's harder to fix things that are your own problem
1: <laughs> yeah I mean that's a that's a great question it's a very philosophical one I mean there are some things in hockey that even if you know are coming you cannot stop and once upon a time Winnipeg had that in the form of its power play with Patrick Laine as one of the shooters, right? Everybody knew he was... Yeah, sorry for your poor heart. Um, everybody knew he could shoot the puck. Everybody knew where his office was, but because Shifley was where he was and Bufflin was where he was, who cares what the game plan is? If Winnipeg gets its pass and Blake Wheeler made those passes, Winnipeg was going to be a threat to score. And so knowing what the issue was didn't help a lot of teams sort sort it out because it was such an overpowered thing. Um, other, other times, you know, um other examples might be kyle connor on your average breakaway he has so many moves in his toolkit that even though you know he's great there's nothing you can do about it pierre luc dubois barreling down the wing you you can know exactly what he's trying to do but how many defensemen can stop him cutting to the net if he really wants to get there so for me i mean i would always like a team to have as many of those unstoppables even if you know they're coming kind of in on their own side um and i'd like to think that because puck management is within is the sort of thing Winnipeg can control, or at least the mistakes that it makes in, on that front are, you know, it starts with a puck on their own stick. So it's a decision they make, it's a read they make, et cetera. And conceivably, I like to think that if it's a read, that's the sort of thing that can be improved. And I think. Like the ultimate philosophical answer is a really vague one, which is it depends on if it is improving, you know, if, if you see it, if you see it improve. And I think that Winnipeg is improving. I think that there are, are stretches when they get really quite bad. See the Colorado game earlier this year, see the LA Kings game that Winnipeg won in LA earlier this year. And I think that we're seeing those stretches less and less, or at least if that, if that trend is not lowering still, the level that we've landed on is still less than what it was last season or in some of Winnipeg's really difficult ones. So I think you'll sort of take it, I think, is, is my view.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm just going to take a quick pause here to do a quick ad read from our, f- our friends at Sports Interaction. So I want to say, think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction, whether it's World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball. Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. I was looking at this ad read before we started and I was like, I saw World Cup and I was like, no, we're, I don't even want to talk about this. It's my heartbreak of the day, but you know what? Dolphins win, Jets win, big touchdown day with the seven goals, so I was like, you know what? We'll be okay with it, but a uh, bit of a crushing one today this afternoon with the, or this morning, pardon me, with, the, with Team Canada there, but we at least you had the jet ski to talk about later
1: i mean what do i bite my tongue do i talk i don't know what to say i mean i think i think canada effed around and they found out (laughs) i think that's that's all croatia is a very good team their midfield has been amazing for a long time as old as it is you could never you could never count them out as potentially great for stretches and they created problems canada couldn't whatever i uh i think canada found out and uh, i hope that they win against morocco
0: yeah, well I, this this group sure had a lot of storylines today, but yeah, no, I man oh man, I fell asleep during the soccer game. I woke up really early this morning and I fell asleep and it was one nothing Canada and I woke up and it was four one and I was like, is this hockey or is this soccer? It's like four goals. What the heck? But uh yeah, so that was a little bit a little bit heartbreaking. Uh but you know, back to the Jets, cause this is a hockey show. I know we could sit here and talk about the most random sports for hours because, you know, big sports fans over here. But um did you like the um first line tonight of the perfetti shifley wheeler i know you spoke specifically about the one goal where wheeler had a nice little pass there that uh awkward angle and whatnot do you like that combination do you think it's a you know a short-term fix while we're waiting for ehlers to get back or what do you think of that line specifically
1: i do like it i you know it's first what we've seen two games from them now their first period against dallas was was sensational as far as i'm concerned it was a little bit the Cole Perfetti show which we haven't seen a lot of in the, in the last recent stretch of games but the the just the thinking on Wheeler and Shifley's part on Perfetti's part as well seems to be on the same page they they seem to have chemistry in terms of which cuts they're making in the offensive zone they seem to be working hard as well in terms of turning pucks over and and just being quick to get the puck back as soon as they've lost it there were a couple moments where I thought I saw the first casual back checks of Mark Scheifele's recent history. I think he's been so good this season, to be honest. Um, but there've been there were moments tonight where Blake Wheeler's is busting his butt back on two-on-ones and getting sticks on the rebound attempt, and all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, you know, a chance is negated because the what is he, 36-year-old former captain, is is tracking back as hard as he is, and I think that they've got a little bit of everything. I don't have an argument that it should stay together if you have a healthy Ehlers right away. I think that, you know, he immediately busts busts into the top top six, but maybe Ehlers joins the other group uh, in this 12 weeks from now, you know, fantasy scenario. Um, For now, I worry about the, the line defensively, but they haven't given us enough to worry about in, you know, in two games. And I think they could outscore their problems as a general rule.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you said, yeah, Mark Scheifele has just been a highlight all year, right? Like I think, and you know, when you're watching him, like I remember in, in previous years, particularly last year, there's just every time you'd watch him if he didn't have the puck on his stick you would just be sitting there wondering what the heck like i wonder if this guy watches tape and he goes home and watches himself and you're like oh yeah that that looks good cuz he just looked a little bit kind of all over the place you know the effort sometimes looked like it might have been lacking when his team didn't have possession all that kind of stuff i've seen significantly less of that this year i think everyone has and i think it's starting to show across the board he he looks great um and i think that like you said from what we know about those players yeah maybe there is some room for worry as far as you know defense but what i always say is don't have to worry about defense if he can always have the puck. So if he can, you know, focus on that and they can continue to, you know, continue with this trend of the last couple of games, more than happy about that. Um, thoughts on the power play? I saw some movement of a couple of those guys, um, you know, particularly Connor being stationed a little bit more on the opposite side, a couple of other changes, on, um, especially with personnel as well. Um, any thoughts on the power play tonight?
1: I mean, the number one takeaway I have is probably Kyle Connor's shot. And there are, on his goal, I should say, And I, there are times when I worry that Kyle Connor doesn't take enough one-timers. Like, I I see him dusted off a little bit when he's on his off wing and has the opportunity. Uh, and I think that that slows the Jets' power play down. Now, of course, Kyle Connor knows what his options are and he sees the lanes and he's a phenomenal scorer and all of those sorts of things. But every once in a while, I catch myself as an observer thinking, just rip the freaking thing. And you're going to earn more respect and, and space in other areas of the ice, and he tore into that. That that was um, you know that was a blast that I I thought was symbolic of what Kyle Connor needs to do to have even more success on on the power play. Um, beyond that, I guess you know you got Blake Wheeler making his his resurgence onto the onto the top unit and what have you. Um, the rest, the rest I almost don't know what to say. I've been lukewarm on Winnipeg's power play so far this season but then it, it helped them win an important game tonight and um, I mean that's that's all I can, that's my takeaway
0: Yeah, Murat made a couple good points there but the only thing that I took away from that was, oh my gosh guys Murat is a noted shoot guy <laughs> <laughs> I No. Mean- there are yeah, a couple like on that five and three on particular tonight, there was one point where yeah, Blake Wheeler, I was like, Oh my gosh, shoot the fuck I almost said it out loud. I did I don't say shoot. I don't say it, but there are a couple times and I was like, Oh my gosh. But you even know when you're and I'm not gonna pretend that I've ever played at any, you know, league of the caliber of the NHL or anything, but as a player you're always like, Okay, where's the best scoring chance? And you're there and you're like, It could be me, but probably not. So let's see what I can do with it. But sometimes it's just, you know, when you're watching objectively from the, you know, nice top, you have a whole view of the whole rink, you're like what are you doing? Like, shoot the fuck. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the power play in particular, you know, I feel like there's room for some growth there, I think is all I'll say on that. I think it sounds like you're in agreement on that. And, you know, if they're continually you know willing to be creative with it and see you know what makes sense and look for the right fit i'm all for it that's that's all what i'm all about is you know continuing to trial and error things while the stakes are relatively i don't want to say low because the stakes are never low um but you know earlier on in the season figure out what's good throw whatever at the wall see if it sticks and hopefully they can you know continue to generate some success there because like you said in nights like tonight it can really help you cement those wins
1: yeah and in- My fantasy power play involves like every player in a position where they can attack in a couple of different ways. And, you know, for a player like Kyle Connor, he has about 18 different ways that he can hurt you in an offensive situation. We've seen him play, you know, the bumper beside the net and he can take um, one timers at the at the side of the net just to, you know, tap in sort of situations. He's attacked the front with the between the legs uh, shot that some guys like to try. We know that he can shoot, so you like to see what you saw tonight. Um, he's a good playmaker as well, and I think that he's a good symbol of power play success for me because the more, the more variety in tools that you show, I think, um, the more the PKs have to guess and have to respect various different options. And I think that that shot should earn him, uh, you know, a little bit more respect in terms of okay, if guys suddenly. Start jumping out at him to try to take out that shooting lane. Maybe there's somebody down low he can pass to as well. Um, mind you, as I say all of that, theoretically it all makes sense. But maybe if you're a defenseman trying to cover Kyle Connor on the power play, you're already, regardless of scoring streak or slump, you know, taking that extra step to him, and maybe that's moot. But he's just a great symbol because you think about Blake Wheeler on the other side, all of the playmaking in the world. Um, and he's been so good on the power play for so many years because he's such an elite passer. Well, if he could shoot like Kyle Connor could or Mark Shifley could or what have you, I think there would be even more available to him. And he's he's not a one-trick pony there because he has so many different lanes and, and things, but he's closer to one than a, than a Shifley or a Connor uh, would be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so looking at, you know, Tuesday, uh, another division game against, you know, not to disrespect the Chicago Blackhawks, but to disrespect the chicago blackhawks a much stronger opponent uh what are you looking to kind of see continue or maybe fix up i know we didn't talk much about the defense but you know some of the uh, particular. i thought you know dylan and Pionk had a, a pretty good game um i haven't been a huge fan of all i've seen from Pionk this year and i thought tonight he looked good i thought i was really glad to see DeMello back morrissey i thought had a quieter evening but you know not in a bad way by any stretch um Across the board, what are you looking for? Are you bringing Gagne back in? Are you switching anything up? Or what are your thoughts on Tuesday?
1: I mean, yeah, the Gagne thing, I'm not sure. Do you do you mess with the winning lineup or, or what have you? And I think part of it might d- depend on what degree he's, if he's banged up at all. You know, I mean, if, if he's dealing with a bruise or this or that or the other thing, we might not hear it as anything other than just a healthy scratch and a lineup choice. But if there's something there to monitor, maybe that plays into it. Honestly, the truth is I don't know, and I think it went well enough that I wouldn't begrudge the Jets coaching staff for going back with the exact same lineup. Defensively, I think one of the ways that Winnipeg got burnt in and they continue to get burnt is those 50-50 pucks offer rebounds in the slot. I I think the Jets are slow and not strong when it comes to those box outs and and taking guys' sticks away or what have you. So, you know, I think Nate Schmidt was was culpable on one of them. I think Isamont was the other one kind of on scene in that moment. And we've seen lots of goals against um, this year where there is a play that maybe a Dustin Buffalo gets to, let's say. And it's not just size. You know, Logan Stanley isn't necessarily a whole lot better at that play than Josh Morrissey is, let's say. But it is about winning that moment. And, you know, the Jets have struggled there. The, they're probably going to be faced with more of those moments with pucks in front in dangerous spots, I think, on Tuesday than they were today. So that would need to improve. I also think against some of the top competition, um, they're really fast, they're really great teams, the ones towards the top of the standings, like they'll be playing on Tuesday. That's when that pass that gets you over the blue line is, is such a big deal. And for me, if, if I could hack hockey, if I could invent a thing that just made you better at one thing, it would be a way to get teams out of their own zone better. It would be all about the blue lines, exits and entries, exits and entries over and over and over again. And because I think the entries are dependent partly in what happens on the exit, I think getting the puck and getting it out of the zone with possession is number one. And, you know, Winnipeg struggled with that against Colorado early this season. They struggled with that against Los Angeles, against Vegas. Um, And the games when it was the Connor Hellebuck show, that was the issue. It wasn't that Winnipeg couldn't do things at other times in the game, but it's that you'd see giveaways and, and trouble spots uh, getting out of its own zone. So, what I want to see is just quick decisions and good ones, and ones that admit that you don't have to, you know, flee the zone and create a rush every single time you've got the puck.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know you talked about that that net front thing is always something that you know is kind of frustrating to watch. And someone who I think is better at it than people give him credit for is Vili Hanala. And I know we touched on it super briefly, but what would be an Alyssa talking about hockey segment in any capacity if he didn't get brought up? Quick thoughts on him? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, what, what what to say? I agree with you. First of all, I think he's meaner and a better uh, positional box out player than he gets credit for. You see so many of his detractors say, hey, he's small. And you know what? He is. Um, But if you look, like, my guess is if you look at a whole video spree of Ville Hainala in those 50-50 moments with a puck sort of like floating its way through the slot, he doesn't do markedly worse than a Logan Stanley, which is absurd because Logan Stanley has the strength advantage. And Part of that is is competitiveness and compute levels to use the uh, the words of the the hockey men, um, but part of it is also just having a head on a swivel and making the read and knowing that, that the puck's in the neighborhood and like this leads me to another one of my pet rants I guess sometimes you see po- people post heat maps and say well look at all these scoring chances from the middle of the ice this player is good in the middle of the ice or bad in the middle of the ice like a defenseman with lots of scoring chances against him from the center slot must be bad in the center slot? Maybe not. Maybe it's something happening elsewhere on the ice that's helping the puck get to the center slot. Maybe they don't protect their blue line and they're dealing with more defensive zone shifts in the first place. Maybe it's giveaways. It might not be that moment. And I think that that's part of why say a Logan Stanley isn't a defensive juggernaut despite his physical strength as well. Look at that. I fell in. I complain about this list. When I tweet Ville Hainala, and somebody else has like a rant about Logan Stanley or i tweet hey logan stanley made a really nice play on this like great exit pass look at that rushy setup and then i get the villanuela like i that's a pet peeve and look at what just happened i played right into it you said villanuela i said logan stanley i think villanuela is a better defensive player than he gets credit for i think he's rounding in a form i think that his quest to prove that he's too good to play in the AHL is honestly it was mission accomplished last season in my mind but um with Rick Bonus being a fresh set of eyes on that and Hailess camp being mediocre in my mind uh, and I'm I believe in the player I didn't like his training camp I think we're seeing Vili Hainelet be the closer to the best version of himself um and now he's waiting for the uh he's he's Kyle Connor in 2017 waiting for was it Matthew Perot to get hurt? That led to Kyle Connor's uh, call up, and all of a sudden he was ready for the NHL, and he wasn't two weeks ago. Hanel is not that good. We're not. We're not. We're not going to see is going to score thirty player. goals.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm in.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a dangerous assessment comparison, and many <laughs> people exactly. think I'm thinking he's like a top pair of guy. But what my point is is he's waiting for that elusive opportunity, and because it's you know NHL hockey, it's going to be somebody getting hurt. They're not going to trade. Brendan Dillon to make room for Ville Hanula, you know, who's on his entry level contract still and waivers exempt still. Um, you know, trade requests and and agent's displeasure and all of that. It's just, you know, Winnipeg can sit on that if they want to. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. No, for sure. And it cracks me up with the the Logan Stanley Ville Hanula thing. I I I'm the worst for it, but it's also like someone could be like, "Oh, global warming I'd be like okay so Billy Hanola no so I I definitely get it but you know it's but it, I don't think it's an unreasonable thing to you know your brain sometimes goes there right because you're looking at you know situations and it's at the beginning of the year is the whole the sixth defenseman the sixth defenseman you had the five locks you're looking at the other and it's just kind of natural we Pavlov dogged ourselves into looking at you know Billy Hanola Logan Stanley and they're always associated so you know what you're, you're off the hook for this one. Nick in the chat says that I've cracked Marat. Well done. So um, <laughs> thanks for coming on, Marat. I appreciate you jumping on, having a chat with me. Um, always a good time to talk about the team and you know, look at you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. So thank you so much, and thank you everyone in the chat. Make sure you like the stream, share the stream, and check it out if you want to you know, re-listen to everything we had to say. You know, rants aside, <laughs> uh, we'll be out on, on podcasts uh, sometime tonight or tomorrow. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.